Welcome to Take Note. This is the centennial episode of the podcast. That's right. We've done this a hundred times with a couple of side notes mixed in there. I'm proud of us, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great, Ted, and I'd like to take this moment to point out to you that we have done this 99 times with a couple of side notes in there. Fair. Uh, the, the ombudsman of the show has spoken. Uh, I'm also proud of uh, occasional co-host, number one fan, Ryan Sly, who's joining us as he does every 10th episode. Hello, Ryan. Hello, guys. How are you? I'm great, We're Ryan. Great. I'm great. Would you, Ryan, would you be willing to serve as backup ombudsman should anything unfortunate happen to me during this episode? It's in my contract. Uh, absolutely. Fantastic. Great. So, I mean, this is our 100th episode. That's not to say that we've done any extra special preparation for the episode. So we are, in fact, in need of a theme. Yeah, I was thinking uh, about that, Ted. I've got some ideas. I was wondering if I could run by you guys. Please. please All right. Do. You just stop me if any of these sound good, except probably don't stop me. Um, Arabian Nights. A Star is Born. Uh, take Note Casino Night. Take Note Clambake. Day of the Dead, or Out of This World, Under the Sea, Bubbles in Boca, Masks <laughs> and Mimosas, Mahjong and Mai Tais, Sip and Shred, or Croquet and Chardonnay. How are you feeling about this? I feel like you've painted a word picture. You've, you've taken us on a, <laughs> on a journey. Yep. Kind of a th- I, I'm going to go with the uh, Arabian Nights, a thousand and one, uh, thousand and one tales. Great. To uh, what, keep the emperor from falling asleep. That's right. Um, right. One of us in this scenario has been forced to marry and sleep with the emperor. Um, Perfect. Well, um, I will string up the uh, the <laughs> what, string lights. Well, what it, what are decorations for a uh, thousand and one Arabian nights? <laughs> I think we all wear like slightly culturally inappropriate uh, garb, and probably sit on the floor. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm gonna go uh, rifle through my closet and find the appropriate attire for our new theme. In the meantime. Um, we have uh, gathered some notebook entries from years gone by. I'm not going to say they're a specific year, uh, but uh, we, we each kicked it back to the archives uh, with uh, in the spirit of reflection as we reach episode number 100. So Ryan's going to kick us off. What do you got from way back, Ryan? Well, I think you'll find this uh, perfectly in keeping with our theme. Um from October 2018, in my blue Texas County Fair field notes with a Pilot Metropolitan, my first fountain pen, I wrote, People it is unnatural to see on a break. Santa Claus, a nun, a clown, the Grim Reaper, any cartoon character, mascots, <laughs> Jesus, Dracula, or ninjas. <laughs> oh, ninjas on a break. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, I So I pulled out my... Now, this is a Field Notes notebook from 
March of 2013. This is a, uh, this is a, uh, why do I never know where to look on a field? No there it is. This is a northerly edition printed in 2011. But I was writing in it in 2013. I can only imagine that Adam sent me this. And I, it would be bold but, but reasonable to suggest that this is the first Field Notes notebook that I ever used. Curious because it's such an oddly printed one. So maybe it's not. Maybe I used a craft or something before this. Anywho, 2013. I'm early parenthood. So walking, uh, walking my daughter through the neighborhood on my, in, a, in a carrier uh, to the library where a young lady read a sign out loud and an old guy sat in front of the graphic novels shelf for a long time. They had moved the baseball section. It didn't matter. I was just looking for a place to wander. We walked around and I picked up a, a random fiction book and read a sentence about someone kicking a skinhead in the, quote, testicles, unquote. May got chippy. We promptly left. We walked down to Waldo's, the local coffee shop. There was a group of old hipsters holding court on the front porch, a man with a white ponytail, bellowing, a social activist group or a photography club. He said, uh, someone said to me, you're carrying a heavy load. I said, heavier every day, which had a plaintive <laughs> tone, which had a plaintive tone that I hadn't intended. Walking home, a rough looking fellow at the bus stop asked, how old is he? She's, uh, she, she, yeah. And he sheepishly apologized with his eyes downturned, ill-equipped uh, to navigate the complexities of human engagement at that moment. Eight and a half months, I said. You got a long way to go, he said redemptively. She was awake and we, when we got home, and so was Caroline. March of 2013. <laughs> March of 2013. What do you got, Adam? All right, I've got a... Cavallini and Company notebook from uh, the entry is from August 1st 2002 on the inside back cover of this notebook I have written down the password to get into the email of um, this strange professor I used to work for into his uh, to get into his email to uh, answer his email I, I, I don't know anyways that's not what I've written down I mean, I did write that down, but I've pasted into my notebook uh, on August 1st a, uh, a little mini, little I don't even know what you call them, like a short little article from the AP, uh, from Port St. Lucie, Florida, headline, Man's Earlobe Bitten Off at Youth Baseball Game. A spectator bit off another man's earlobe, and an infant girl was knocked out of her mother's arms during a post-game brawl at a teenage baseball tournament police said Tuesday. And then if you turn the page, I've written, quote, in all things of nature, there is something marvelous. Aristotle. That was August 3rd. <laughs> was that Little League game in Boston? or Port St. Lucie, Florida. <laughs> oh, Florida, See, of course. Think <laughs> back to a time when you could, all you did was post a, a story like that into your notebook instead of tweeting it and, uh, illuminating the world about the charms of hashtag Florida man. That's right. I like, you, I don't paste things into town. my notebook enough either. Yeah. But, uh, 
This this one I used to do that, and I also had a theory that whoever was in charge of I think it was the police beat for the Gainesville Sun newspaper uh, was having a great time because I would post a lot from the Gainesville <laughs> Sun. Thing. What do you got, Ryan? Uh, from last year, October two thousand nineteen, uh, in my Mount Rainier National Parks field notes, the Blackwing eight eleven, I wrote. Charlie threw up all over his bed last night. It was everywhere. When I asked him this morning how he was feeling, he described his condition as regular. <laughs> Character idea. Character idea. Person that responds to the question, how are you, by saying, regular, how are you? <laughs> Ted, what do you got? Love it. Love it. All right, this is from a... a Company unidentifiable notebook that I believe my mother got me from Europe. It's got a cool design of a chair on the front of it. At Barcelona. August 2014. Time was the header. Few decisions open-endedly account for time like parenting. It fills every vacuum. Like the earth of our time is fracked out by parenthood. Each cavity is filled by a high-pressure hose. Before I had kids, I didn't know what time was. I thought it was a list. One event follows the other, uh, with empty spots in between to fill with novelties, amusements, ephemera, surfing the web, watching movies once, twice, thrice, frippering frippering away the evenings, and even spending some of this time worrying about how I might, might spend time in the future. Rich with time. That must be a phrase. I'd look it up, but I don't want to spend the time. <laughs> spend, take, have. This is a possession, a resource, like the land, the water, masquerading as a feature of the landscape, inert. These are kind of the things you write uh, when you're about to have your second child, and your, uh, your first child's two years old. Thinking, are you sure you didn't write that during quarantine? <laughs> I think it's all this podcast is getting very political. All this fracking talk. <laughs> what do you got? All right, this is uh, in a moleskin from August of two thousand five. I wrote that feeling people are supposed to get at the Grand Canyon, where they feel like a, where they feel they're a small place in eternity. Not me, but I feel something like it in this pancake house. For every minute I wasted here, someone else wasted an identical minute before, and someone else will waste an identical minute in the future. All right. What do you got, it's Ryan? heavy, man. Yeah. We're going right, to go so, contemporary now, right? Yeah. I think uh, from this October 2020, uh, in my Caribbean Moscato Dapper Notes, my first foray uh, outside of the field notes realm. Tried one of these books. It's very nice. And uh, got some that's a little longer, so bear with me on this. Um, Bubbles the lion was depressed. The trainers at the zoo knew it. The other lions knew it. Even the kids wiping their snotty noses on the glass at his exhibit knew it. What no one except Bubbles knew was why he was depressed. The trainers tried changing his diet, giving him new toys to play with, and even letting him sleep in when he wanted to. But nothing seemed to help. The other lions pretended to care when the trainers or other zoo staff were around, but when the enclosures were enclosed for the night, 
They either bullied poor Bubbles or ignored him completely. Scar and Thor liked to take turns stepping on him or running into him and then claiming not to know he was there. Bubbles was too depressed to do anything about it, but too proud to tell anyone what was bothering him. The truth was, he didn't like his stage name. He hated it. Kids would read the, his nameplate and say things like, what kind of name is Bubbles for a lion? <laughs> or, I guess that one isn't exactly king of the jungle. <laughs> the worst of it came a few weeks earlier when a school teacher shouted, you mean Bubbles like Michael Jackson's monkey? I wonder if they know each other. <laughs> she laughed hysterically, but Bubbles trudged over to one of the many blind spots in the enclosure and hid from the crowds for the rest of the day, feeling very sorry for himself. He growled to the head trainer about it every night that week, but the trainer couldn't understand him and seemed to think he needed a doctor. Since then, he just sits around all day like a regular lion, but in a more depressing way, dreaming of having a scary or cool stage name like most of the other lions. The only thing that can bring, bring him out of his funk is bath time. His favorite trainer, Sarah, makes giant bubbles using a circle of rope, and he likes to bite them and watch them disappear. He's enjoyed that since he was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay uh, back to the realm of non-fiction and political mm. <laughs> um, so I was this is, a, uh, this is an excerpt from a longer description of a bicycle ride that the family took around the neighborhood to see all the Halloween decorations and the, uh, the political signage my favorite joke still doesn't get old when I see a, a sign for our uh, our current president who's hoping to continue to be so. I go, oh, and the scariest decoration of all. Oh, look away. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Near the end of our ride, there was a yard of a modest ranch house near the bayou. On a sloping uh, piece of yard, the yellowed on the yellowed grass was a display, a Trump sign surrounded by grave-like Halloween decorations. To the left of the political sign was a tombstone that said, Beware. To the right was a tombstone that said, R.I.P., with skeletons and witches throughout. Uh, after we got home, we were eating lunch, and Caroline said, Oh, I saw this Trump sign that was in the middle of a Halloween display. Me too, I yelled. <laughs> we had both had the same response. First, the question of whether this person was in fact a Trump supporter or that they had set this thing up as a kind of Halloween-themed lampoon. <laughs> uh, a, a literal uh, interpretation of my oft-repeated dad joke. Oh, the scariest of all. Or they were Trump supporters who flew too close to the sun in their attempt to combine the nightmarish time of the year when all the real ghouls come out and Halloween. <laughs> Uh, we agreed, finally, that no Trump hater would willingly display the man's name on their property, leaving the sad reality that this person built a display appearing to curse 45 in an attempt to promote his hopefully ill-fated campaign for re-election. What do you got, Adam? We, we definitely had some discussion here when we put up a sign for a woman running for state rep, making sure that our Halloween skeleton and other decorations were far enough away that there was no confusion <laughs> as to what the message was supposed to be. Uh, all right. Um, all right. So listening to the uh, first 10 episodes to record the little side note with the um, 
best of the early episodes. I What you call the little side note, I call the glorious, amazing, fantabulous side note. Thank you. Thank that's you. That's all it was all Adam. That's what I was all fishing Adam's for. Work. Yeah. No, that's, that's all I've got. Well, you caught, you caught a big one. <laughs> well, while I was listening to that, I was re- I was remembering what it was like to go places um, because hmm. we would refer to things we'd done outside of our house or people we'd met or people we'd spoken to or occasionally someone would take a plane somewhere. Um, and, you know, I, I really like to have an awkward encounter with someone and then uh, turn to my wife and announce that I'm a man of the people. And that just never happens anymore. Uh, yesterday, yesterday I did talk dogs with a customer service rep uh, that I was on the phone with after I heard his dogs in the background. And when I had to email him my address and the serial number for my doorbell that doesn't work, I included a picture of my dog, which absolutely made his day, actually. But that's, you know, that's a real stretch. That's like the best I've got right now. So I I think part of that is the reason that I haven't written anything in my notebook that's really felt worthwhile for the show. I went back and looked at it for almost more than a month. Um, I was feeling kind of unprepared for this 100th episode. I I honestly kept feeling like I was going to oversleep for the episode, which doesn't make sense because we sleep at night. Um, But luckily today I had a bunch of errands to run and I was really excited for the opportunity. So I was thinking about, you know, unfortunately, commerce is so dangerous now that we all pre-order everything for pickup and everything actually goes pretty smoothly. And uh, most of my errands were going smoothly today. But I'm at Staples and I was supposed to get three packs of bubble mailers unrelated to Bubbles Align. Um, And they only (laughs) pulled one of the bubble mailers. And I'm annoyed for a second, but then I have to like recalibrate. This is it. I've got to seize the moment and take note. I go find the bubble mailers in the store and I move forward, there's a long checkout line. Here we go, long checkout line, greatly improving my what do you got odds. Uh, this is it, <laughs> it's all happening. Uh, you, you put Adam in a long checkout line and just wait for the fireworks. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the couple in front of me, they kind of cut me off to get in line, and then they're moving uh-huh. really slowly yeah. towards the line, sure. studying the Advil and the sugary candies and the phone chargers <laughs> where the store makes their money. By the way, I know that this is where the store makes the money because now when you buy bubble, bubble mailers online, Staples asks you if you want to add a Diet Coke to the cart. That's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then, then I noticed that the guy in front of me who's grabbing a travel size Advil is wearing a satisfy my soul, Bob Marley jacket. Um, his mask has a red and yellow flower on it. It looked kind of like poorly drawn. And so I decided that it must've had a meeting meaning, which I kind of realize, uh, as I'm saying it, it makes me sound kind of crazy. Um, I purchased my bubble mailers. This man's wife steadfastly shuts down the cashier, trying to sell her a warranty. It just filled my heart with pride. I love that moment. I walk out of the store and the man with the Marley jacket, he's backing up his car now as his wife is bringing out, I don't know, it's like a, must be the largest shredder anyone has ever purchased, or it was a chair in a box, I'm not sure. Uh, their car has a lot of sea turtle bumper stickers on it, and then there's another uh, sticker about teaching tolerance and ending hate. And in that moment, I decide that that is what the red and yellow flowers now represent. And that, that's it. That's what I've got. <laughs> You've gone soft, Adam. Because <laughs> I wasn't filled with <laughs> hatred? I kept waiting for the moment when you're going to rip into that piece, Nick. Yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't, you don't always get that anymore these days. You're lucky for uh, Satisfy My Soul Bob Marley jacket. Well, this is our centennial episode. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't 
say I felt like it's a it's something of an achievement that we've gotten this far along. Oh, yeah. We've, uh, we, we have, of course, Adam and I launched podcasts in the past that that maybe didn't reach double digits you could you could argue or did they i think i think new century picnic our first podcast which uh heretofore on the show has only been referred to as our previous podcast i think we might have got like uh 15 or 20 episodes out oh wow look at that yeah i don't know Um, but uh there's something about a hundred and it, uh, I mean, it's been a fun ride. I feel like we've, uh, it really gives you a, a focal point to talk about this stuff that we all enjoy. Um, and of course, I mean, more than anything, it's a conversation with my very dear friend every week and my other very dear friend every uh, 10 weeks, <laughs> something like that, <laughs> which uh, I don't think I, uh, I don't think I foresaw how much I would come to, uh, to treasure that time. You know, there's, there's weeks when it feels like a slog to kind of get all the gear out and do it all. But then, you know, the conversation finally comes to a close after we've talked for another hour after we're done even recording. And I realize it's, uh, it's feeding my soul. Um, so I'm excited for this, uh, for this milestone, I think probably more for what, for what it means to me than the show, but, um, I don't know. Do you guys have reflections on uh, getting to this point? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's just, I think the show has changed. It's hard to even exactly say how it's changed. Having listened to those early episodes, I'm, I'm very pleased to say it's gotten much better. Uh, the first five-ish episodes, almost uh, unlistenable. Not unlistenable, but just not uh, funny necessarily. Um, I guess I'm assuming that if I go back and listen to the subsequent episodes, I'll find them funny. Um, um, what do you, I mean, is there anything about the time, you know, doing this podcast, has it actually changed, would you say? Uh, question to both of you, like how you take notes or uh, the nature of your notes or, or kind of the thought process behind notes. I'll preface it by saying that for me, you know, I read through, just flipping through some of my old notebooks before we started. Uh, I think they're much more fragmented and um, just all over the place and, and mixed up and and incomplete. I think, you know, doing this has, has provided a little bit of sort of built-in accountability. Like, uh, you know, there's an audience, but mostly, I mean, you know, Adam and Ryan, uh, where, you know, you, you kind of, if you realize you're reading something and it's just a ill-formed thought, it's, it's not particularly interesting. And so there is, it does provide some kind of framework to take another few beats to reflect on what you want to write and how you want to write it and, and then make that your note, which I think is a real important, um, it's an important way to live your life, I think, by reflecting on those things that amuse you or, or catch your attention and taking a little extra time to record them in a aesthetically appealing way. And, and the podcast is the place that we set up for, for those to land, very intentionally, I would say. Um, but I, you know, I, I think of that as being what's been so great about it. Yeah, I think that um, 
taking notes for the podcast actually is a great way to help you keep a notebook and help you keep uh, keep keep up with the practice of taking notes. And so, um, you know, I really did go out today hoping to find something great to happen that I could write down. And, uh, you know, one of the questions we occasionally get, or one of the questions at least you see online and different forums are like tips for how to keep a notebook. And it's ridiculous, but one, if you want to improve your notebook taking, you could like start a podcast with your friend about taking a note about keeping a notebook <laughs> and, and need to have something every week to say. And, uh, the, it just, it keeps it top of mind a little bit and then it creates the habit. And so when you're, when you're really on a roll, when you don't take a month between recording episodes, like we happened to this time, you're writing a lot more, right? The reason I didn't have anything of value in my notebook for the last month probably has less to do with the pandemic, like I suggested, and more to do with the fact that, uh, got busy for work and we didn't record an episode and less to do with the fact that I got busy for work, more to do with the fact that we didn't record an episode. What about you, Brian? What do you think? Has this changed you? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, unlike the two of you, I didn't start really actively, you know, note taking until I started listening to the podcast and, uh, you know, kind of gaining an interest in it uh, through listening to the two of you. So, you know, there uh, probably a much more dramatic change um, from my perspective, just, uh, and just getting started with it and getting more and more into it and going from like, you know, writing in my first field notes with a gel pen that I discovered I liked at a restaurant one night, signing a receipt and going to buy some at the Staples to, you know, sitting here however long after that now, uh, you know, on my 27th or no 28th uh, field notes now. Uh, you know, writing my notes for the show here with my Sailor 1911 with a Zoom nib on it. I mean, <laughs> didn't even know uh, what those words meant uh, a couple of years ago. So, um, you know, really kind of finding a new hobby with this and, and enjoying the creative a aspect of it that we've talked about in, in previous episodes. I, I do enjoy going back through the books and, you know, kind of seeing that evolution and, uh, you know, I think I've done a lot of things consistently. I think I'm, per, you know, intent with intent. Uh, you know, different things that I always do in each book, or, or or tend to do in each book, and things like that. But it does kind of form a, you know, a, a record of what was going on at, at those times and stuff. And looking back through some of that stuff was was a lot of fun. I think at some point, looking through the last seven months worth of, of notes will be interesting as we stop going out and all, you know, all my notes start to be about, uh, nonsense or my children or just, you know, the, the pandemic itself, but, uh, you know, the, the breadth of, of what's recorded there has shrunk, uh, shrunken a lot, you know, but what I, I mean, what I love about your voice on the podcast has been, you know, I think you've taught me a lot about uh, being amusing, you know, or, or, and I think it doesn't even have to amuse somebody else, but, but making sure that you're amusing yourself, making sure that the notes that you take are something that you're enjoying doing. You know, it's like the, it came up on uh, Facebook, I think. Maybe it was the Field Nuts 
group or the erasable group. I don't remember exactly, but someone, you know, more or less said, uh, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm wondering wh what you've got, how you folks sort of take notes. Like, do you, do you spill your blood on the page and just like, you know, lambast your family members and, and your coworkers and everyone around you? Or do you, are you, I'm, I'm sort of nervous to do that. What do you, what do you, you know, it was kind of this weird, very personal question, but I realized in seeing it sort of laid out like that, I'm not, I'm not that interested in like a diary, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, getting all every, every literal detail down and processing things as if it's kind of a psychotherapy session doesn't interest me. Like I'm more interested in, in the Ryan Sly school of make, make your notes, something interesting to yourself and by extension to someone else. You know, like putting a little putting a little craft into it, or 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 building a little suspense into it, the way that you do for uh, an audience outside of yourself. You know, not just using it as a as a dumping ground for for uh, you know chronicling your your life or whatever. I th that's I, that's what I've really taken away. Uh, I think from hearing your awesome stuff over time. And, uh, you know, when you, when you're reading it to somebody else, there's an extra level of, of audience built in that I think is, ah, it's been really cool. So I hope, you know, I hope our listeners enjoyed on the same level. We're not a podcast. I would say that drives tons of listener interaction. Maybe there are no listeners. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but it, it, you know, building in the audience of each other has has gone a long way. So Ryan, well, that that kind of reminds me of something that I saw looking through my notebooks, and so I've got a question for Ryan. As I was looking through my really old notebooks, in particular these like uh, the moleskin that I've got, um, I've, I've got these two moleskins that I've used maybe a quarter of, and they're like half fiction and then half, you know, like what I would call like really lousy, what do you got? Uh, but, and then, and then lots of like notes from work, which I think are interesting to see mixed in there. And what's interesting to me is I would be, I could throw these notebooks out in a heartbeat for the, the things that I noticed in the world. Uh, but the fiction stuff actually still seems kind of like alive. And it makes me wish that I was using my notebooks more than more for that. And so I, I'm wondering, Ryan, in addition to the fiction you're writing, are you doing kind of the brain dump or whatever term Ted just used, like dumping your other thoughts into it right next to the fiction? Or do you separate them out? Yeah. No, it's, I mean, I, I don't do any sort of, you know, diary kind of writing in it at all. But I mean, there's plenty of like things that need, need to be, you know, like to-do lists and, uh, and, you know, ideas and things that I want to do or things I want to remember or, you know, think, things other people say or just stuff that I want to write down that wouldn't be particularly interesting to read here. But, you know, I just try to write something every day, no matter what that is. And, you know, oftentimes when I haven't gone anywhere, or haven't uh, had a weird interaction with someone in a long line or anything like that, I come to a place where, you know, I just have to think of, some silly idea and just start writing about it for one page 
and sometimes it's funny and I'm sure, you know, 99% of the time it's garbage, but it doesn't really matter. It's just uh, about writing some things and every once in a while I'll write something that, um, you know, it might be fun to share with other people. And so, you know, being here less than you are, uh, I'm able to filter through, <laughs> filter out a lot of that, that other stuff. Not us, um, buddy. Not us. <laughs> They've all got to be gems. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, so it's a mixture for sure it's it, you know it's not all uh silly lists and, and stories about bubbles wine but um but i try to do that as often as i can just because that's what i like to write in there the most it's yeah i think the other theme of the show and the, the kind of what we what we have created this infrastructure to train our attention on are the the tools as well you know, the, the notebooks, the pens, the ephemera, and by extension, the companies that uh, that make it all possible for us to sort of, I don't know, actively engage with this world of analog stuff. So I, to me, that's kind of the the other side of this coin. There's the note taking, but then there's the, the tools behind it and... and uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I, I consistently think about, you know, what it means to sort of enjoy a company or enjoy the output of a company. I guess, you know, you could say the same about Disney or fashion lines or, you know, we're tracking any of these. But, you know, sometimes I say, are, do we put too much truck into these companies as creative entities? But I mean, I think I don't know. I've really enjoyed kind of watching the progression of the creative output of these stationary brands over time um, and being an, a kind of active observer of that. Uh, almost, you know, what you might think, I guess you could probably make a corollary of like, you know, a movie critic um, kind of thoughtfully evaluating creative stuff in the world. I don't know if we've maybe occupied that slot. Um, well, you know, that actually kind of reminds me, I think we do we focus on the brands a lot. And one of the things that we have tried to do, but we haven't, I, I think, succeeded as much as we'd like, or you know, maybe that's even overstating it, but we've actually tried to get some folks, some retailers to come on the show before just a little bit. And we haven't had, I don't know, we, we haven't done that yet. Um, and so I know that we were thinking about with uh, CW Pencils, uh, just announced that they're going to make some big changes. They're going to become less of a pencil-only store and more of a local uh, office supply store still with a website. But I know that it got me thinking, and we discussed a little bit about just like the struggles that retailers are having right now. We don't talk about retailers maybe as much as we'd like. We certainly talk about CW pencils uh, at least every three months. But um, I don't know. I think it's just important to mention that's something we'd like to do and also especially right now if uh i i know i always forget this but if people can remember to try to order their supplies through the retailers that are struggling because they don't have walk-in traffic right now um so in addition to cw pencil in chicago there's a uh, greer uh and i'm not sure if their store is open but they've got a great website and that's g-r-e-e-r -E and there's atlas stationers in chicago and i know you guys like drum ghouls in houston Oh yeah, Drama Goals is fantastic and they you know, they they've done so many events over time that is of course the the thing you take for granted until 
until it's no longer in the equation. But the, the three of us, when you were in town, Adam, we went and popped into an Astros viewing party at Drum Ghouls one night, and they were, you know, met a, a listener too. Met Brad Dowdy was there, and uh, and they they were just fantastic hosts. And that's that's the sort of thing you miss. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Drum Ghouls they've got their website has kicked up a notch, so I think you can order a lot online and. Uh, I've gone into the store and shopped, um, and, and they're open to that, and they've got it, got everything going smoothly. So, um, but they've got curbside pickup too. I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I think a lot of retailers are putting on a brave face. You know, CW's announcement was was pretty vulnerable of them, I would say. Um, you yeah, know, to kind of kind of let us know their thinking is not something that any company really is beholden to doing um, it certainly seemed that way just written down buy something wildly expensive <laughs> to support drum goals it's a good deed <laughs> i uh i actually bought what i i bought i, I made an order from uh, cw when uh, when they made that announcement, um, I bought a couple of uh, Caron Dash. How would I say that, Ted? You bought you bought one of every individual <laughs> pencil that they offer. Right, because they're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one by one through the whole catalog. I bought this Graphwood pencil, and the Element Two I think is a Viking pencil. Um, I like the mini. Caron Dash pencil. It's called the Mini 541. So I bought a few of those. And I bought the Editor pencil, which is a CW and a Caron Dash pencil with the red on one side, black on the other. And then I bought <laughs> I bought some uh, Halloween cards from them. And I bought the two micro tiny Viking pencils. I don't know if you guys are familiar with these. I thought that I would give them to the children. It is like a golf pencil, except much, much thinner. Um, like it is, it is a micro pencil. It's smaller than a mini pencil. Um, I, I saw them and I was like, wow, these, these are kind of cool. I kind of wish I had one. And I, uh, showed them to Jennifer and I was like, you think I should give these to the kids or should I just keep them for myself? She's like, the kids will lose those immediately. You should feel free to keep those pencils for yourself. <laughs> you know, I, when we talked, uh, you know, in a previous episode about, how I was buying all those different single pencils for the kids as uh, motivation in their spring, you know, virtual school uh, experience. And, um, you know, I hope that they will maybe come back at some point to selling single pencils and stuff, but maybe just do it with a minimum order mm -hmm. or something like that. Like it's completely understandable that they would be like, you can't just order three pencils and we lose money on the deal. Like they can't survive right. that. And so you can't fault them for it. I, I do hope that they come back to something like that though, where you can just try a bunch of different things. And or, I mean, as I think they talked about having a bunch yeah, of sample sampler sets, sets would be like the thing. That, which is yeah. cool, but you know, yeah. I, as I think about my own purchasing patterns, I don't think I've ever purchased a box of Blackwing pencils from CW. I get those from Drum Ghouls or, right. but you know, I go to CW for all the the little one-offs that uh, that you do, you don't really encounter elsewhere. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting play. And I you know just in honesty, a stationary store that that carries 
bibs and bobs and and cards and things and loops and bips it doesn't occupy the same <laughs> it doesn't occupy the same space in my head that a company that will sell you the coolest pencil you've never heard of one two yeah. three at a time i mean that to me is a very specific very appealing thing now if they can't survive in that model sure that's none of my business but but uh i don't know as a consumer i don't really know how to interact with a a a stationary company my needs are not very great you know i even jungles does uh you know they do all your classic stationary you know personalized and all this stuff i've never touched it with a 10-foot pole so i you know i have i've kind of my have my own take on the cw evolution maybe um, it'll look something like what paper tigre does though um you know paper tigre has all that the paper tigre branded notebooks and pens and pencils and maybe it'll be a little bit something more like that like where they'll create cool products like this editor pencil um which are they'll, they'll work with other brands i i give the kids the editor pencils each of them completely inspired by by what you mentioned in the in the spring ryan i was doing that for a little bit i was calling it ryan slide cosplay but their eyes when i handed them each one of these pencils their eyes lit up i mean both of them were like cheering that they got a pencil it's an amazing thing and you know people listening while cw is still selling single pencils go and uh try your own ryan slide cosplay at home give your children pencils <laughs> let's do this again next week adam what do you say it sounds great thank you ryan for joining us yeah thanks guys. as always talk to you soon all right Check us out on the web. Uh, TakeNote.space is our website. I know it doesn't sound like a URL, but it is. Trust me. Uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash TakeNotePod, where I do my very best not to engage with QAnon trolls. Oh, my gosh. You are not doing well, Ted. You are not doing well. <laughs> not always successful. Oh, journey. my goodness. It's a journey. If you want to um, see Ted's... Uh, Ted's like a contemporary art project of uh, from Twitter of like uh, how a man doesn't interact with trolls. Please visit us at uh, Take No Pod on Twitter. <laughs> Although my new tactic is to is to engage in incendiary interaction and then and you you helped inspire this and then uh, ask them at the end if they like notebooks or yeah, what kind of music right. they're into. I did that. Yeah. Yep. One troll was like, I don't need notebooks. I write it on a computer. <laughs> well, of course, because you're, you're a bot. <laughs> Does not compute. Does not. What if we solved the whole Russian troll problem by just asking all the trolls to use notebooks? Do you I think, think that was as good as good a strategy as any, and it's worth a shot. <laughs> I think it's worth a shot. Uh, in the meantime, take care, and bye-bye.